we'd like to remind you that if you are experiencing symptoms of a heart attack, stroke, or any life-threatening medical emergency, please call 911. Please do not delay seeking treatment during the COVID-19 epidemic. Most Providence emergency rooms are open, and CDC-required safety measures are being taken to protect patients and hospital staff. If you are unsure of your symptoms, please use our telehealth services and speak with a healthcare professional that can better assess your symptoms and provide direction on the best course of action. Please do not let the worry of COVID-19 cause delay in seeking out treatment if you are experiencing a heart attack or stroke. Every minute treatment is delayed can be fatal. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the Future of Health on Dash Radio during this coronavirus pandemic. We're lucky to have many experts around our COVID-19 topic and many guest hosts. Remember to visit coronavirus.providence.org for more information. Hi, good afternoon, everyone. It's Lori Kelly here with Providence, and we're really excited for our discussion that we're having today with Therese Gollard, a registered dietitian. And I want to just remind you um, before we get started that this video is for information purposes only, and it's not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. You should always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified health professional with any questions that you may have regarding a medical condition. All right. So welcome. So I just met Therese, and um, we actually live probably a few miles away from each other, and we're both coming to you from our home studios <laughs> today. But um, Therese is a, a registered dietitian, and she also has served on the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics Malnutrition Work. Um, that created the Academy Aspen Consensus Characteristics of Adult Malnutrition. So she's done a lot of other things. She's also uh, a recipient of the 2020 Excellence in Practice Award by the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. So really excited. And this is a field that all of us should know a lot more about. I always think, why don't we learn more about this when we're growing up, about how to eat better and take care of ourselves. So just to get started, tell us a little bit about how you got started and how you got interested in this field, Therese. Well, when I grew up, I grew up in eastern Washington, and my father was a scientist at Hanford, and my mother was an avid food preparation person. Um, she was a... Um, she, she canned and she grew food and we had a farm, also a hobby farm with sheep and chickens and goats and everything. And so when you live like that, you learn about the life cycle of animals. And we actually had a, a micronutrient deficiency in our sheep, which is common in that area, vitamin C and selenium deficiency when I was a kid. And so that kind of piqued me. And then um, when I, I really was fascinated by dietetics, I had a career day, you know, a health career day. And the dietitian, I'd never heard of a dietitian. She took me to a long-term care home. And there was a little kid who at the time developmentally delayed and who was 12 years old and was about, I don't know, three or four, like a, like a four-year-old size. And she was very upset about that. And I was shocked. Um, but that was how children were taken care of with developmental disabilities sometimes in those years. Then when I went to college, my actually my textiles professor gave me a pile of publications called from a, a publication called Nutrition Today. And there was an article in it. And it was called The Skeleton in the Hospital Closet. And I read that in the mid-70s. And I was just shocked. And what it was about was things that go on in healthcare at that time that caused nutrition problems. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And at the time, there was no way to feed people alternatively, like through a feeding tube or IV nutrition. But after that article, all that took off. And there's a whole industry about it. And healthcare has improved immensely um, since then. But there's still issues and there's still problems. And there's still a huge lack of education about this. Um, as you said before, nutrition is not often taught in medical schools. I mean, I I get to teach nutrition as a prerequisite to nursing students at the University of Providence, and um, but it's an option; it's not a requirement. So it's yeah. So I just am fascinated by it, and we at Providence um, we have a lot of activities we do to try to help prevent and reduce malnutrition in healthcare. But there's a lot of work yet to be done. A lot of work, and and with COVID right now. I'm getting a little bit of We tested this and then sometimes the things just don't work out. I could look for my headphones. Maybe it's better now. Okay. Yeah, with COVID, I know there's there's just so much um, conversation around immunity and and you know why are some people getting it and others aren't? And are there foods that we could be eating or boosting to boost our immunity? Why don't you show that first slide on slide three? And it shows something about immunity. Yeah, it's kind of nutrition. It's really interesting. It's a double-edged sword because if someone is undernourished or malnourished, meaning they don't have enough nutrition, they're not eating well, they're partially or depleted in some nutrients, they're at greater risk for infections. Mm-hmm. And conversely, if somebody has an infection, even if they're okay now and they get an infection, the stress of that infection um, can cause them to become undernourished. So that's a big dilemma. And um, if you go to this next slide, I'll show you some things. Oh, it turned out than we can see here, but um, some of the things that are really important, and they're not earth-shattering, they're things people probably know, um, but they're like, don't, can help you with your immunity, is don't smoke or stop smoking, watch the alcohol, exercise, get sleep, manage your stress, wash your hands, and do all those COVID activities. And then the one thing we don't have a lot of control over is aging. And as we age, our immune systems don't function the same way as they did when we were younger. And over on the right of that slide, there is, um, if you can see it, I don't, it ended up smaller than we anticipated. Um, a basic balanced diet is really important. Um, vegetables, colored vegetables, colored fruits, um, whole grains, protein foods, um, low fat dairy or fortified substitutes, um, water, and what's the other thing there? I can't see it. Oils, healthy oils. And so, yeah, those are all really important for a baseline. And so one of the things people can work on is just make sure they're doing some of that. The um, If you go to the next slide, there's- Can I back up for a second, What What is a healthy oil? Healthy oil are unsaturated oils. So that would be olive oil is a good one people are familiar with, canola oil, some of the vegetable oils. I mean, there's a lot of talk about inflammation regarding some of the oils, but people don't realize that oils and fats all have polyunsaturated and saturated fats. And then some of them have monounsaturated fats, which are kind of anti-inflammatory. And there's certain types of omega-3 fats that are also anti-inflammatory. So we'd like to encourage those. Um, fats, 
um, those types of fats for everybody um, for health benefits, as well as people if they're worried about COVID. Um, and so if you go to the next slide that has the examples, these are three examples and they're very, very similar of healthful eating patterns. And dietitians like to talk about healthful eating patterns rather so much than individual nutrients because all these foods work together. And on the left, we have something that's very, people may be familiar with, it's called Choose My Plate. Um, and there's the link on that right there at the bottom. And that okay. all we these- We can put those in the chat as well. Yes, and what yeah. all of these patterns have is in common is they emphasize what I had on the prior slide, the fruits and vegetables, the whole grains, mm -hmm. the water. Um, there's a one called under old ways, which is a Mediterranean diet, which is a wonderful diet too. And what I like about the Mediterranean diet is if you go into that site, it also is, has some cultural things that are really important. There's an Asian um, Mediterranean type diet emphasis, and then there's an African one and lots of different cultures because all cultures can fit into these healthful eating patterns because mm -hmm. the commonalities are the produce and the whole grains. And then um, there's the DASH diet too, which is a wonderful diet. And that actually also helps lower blood pressure, but they're very, very similar in what they need. And, you know, most dietitians don't want people to fixate so much on certain foods or things like that, because it's the whole part of a whole lifestyle that we're, we're trying to help here. So and how, how do people um, start to change that? We all grow up, we're eating the same foods, we probably cook the way we were trained at home, a lot of us. And so what, what's your advice for people that are really, they know they need to make a change and how do you suggest they get started doing that? Well, there's a lot of great resources, the ones I just showed you. But also one thing that's really good for us humans is to try something new once in a while. <laughs> really? Try <laughs> a vegetable or something like that and find yeah. out learn how to cook it and study it a little bit. Um, there's one of the links that I have given is called Food Hero. And that's mm -hmm. actually a program out of Oregon State University. And it has recipes, it has some videos. It's just great. And that will kind of push us all to try foods from different cultures and lots of different foods. So that's what kind of for healthy and wellness. And when you get sick, the game changes a bit. Those Talk things are still yeah. there. And the problem is, is when you're sick, you don't feel much like eating. So, Why is that? Why don't you feel like eating when you're sick? Well, when you're sick, your body, and just like COVID is a perfect example, um, it goes into this immune response. And the immune response, let's see if I have a slide on that. Yeah, the immune response causes all these different chemicals to release to, to, be, to go fight the problem. So okay. our bodies are on full alert every day to fight these things that are attacking us that, that want to you know, replicate in us. And they, um, and so it makes these chemicals and the chemicals actually kill or get rid of these problem things that are attacking us, but there's a side effect to them. And the side effects, and especially if it goes on for a long time, can destroy other tissue. Okay. So, yeah, and some of this, the chemicals that are produced make us not want to eat, have no appetite. Um, and that's if you're not getting, sometimes medications to treat things also cause that. So it's a big problem. And that's why I was talking about our programs at Providence when you're in the hospital. We have a mechanism set up with the registered dietitians at all hospitals and ours 
to try to find people. Um, but what we would really like is for people to start working on these this at home and not right. let it go too far. Because by right. the time it gets to the hospital, it was probably already happening in the home. And in the United States, there's not a good infrastructure for identifying people at risk for nutrition problems. And one of the things we've posted here at the providence.org slash nutrition site is mm -hmm. uh, nutrition risk screening tools. And those are for people who are ill or are, you know, they're not necessarily for a non-ill person, but they're for people that are maybe struggling a little bit. There's one called My Worksheet, which is um, uh, also professionally called the Patient Generated Subjective Global Assessment. And there's another one called the MNA or the Mini Nutrition Assessment. And those are free tools and you can go and work with your loved one or whoever and see how they fall when they take the when they take that little those little screens. And if it does show something, then that's a cue to go have a discussion with your healthcare providers about what should I do. Because a lot of times there's things that you can do at home that don't require a visit to the dietitian. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that providence.org slash nutrition site, there's actually some nice handouts there that we've, the dietitians at Providence in Oregon here, put together to kind of just reach out to our community to try to help them along. One of the things those handouts talks about is protein. And I wanted to talk, when you have this immune response problem, what's going on is your body's making a lot of different kinds of proteins to fight these infections. And so you mm -hmm. have to make sure there's enough protein around. And again, when you're sick, you don't feel like eating a steak. Right, exactly. But so what kinds of protein would you suggest? There's a lot of different kinds of protein. Anything that somebody will eat <laughs> is usually okay. what you suggest. I mean, eggs are really good. Uh, dairy foods are really good. Or if you buy a fortified dairy substitute, compare it to the nutrient nutrition on the label of milk because, or a yogurt or something, because it's, okay. you don't always fortify them with protein. So okay. um, yeah, so you have to be really careful. But um, like I have a sample here, this is edamame. <laughs> These are rubber. <laughs> and this is a half a cup of edamame. And you can actually, they may, they come um, chilled, you know, and fresh and you can just nibble on them. Um, mm -hmm. I think about seven or eight grams of protein in half a cup. Now when wow. somebody there's a this is a pretend cart yogurt and it's about eight ounces and it has about eight grams of protein in it too and, and how many grams of protein should somebody be eating in a day yeah usually when they're sick 75 to 100 um wow. it kind of depends on the size of the person too so if you're a okay. taller person you probably need more that would be a reasonable target and you don't really have to count it I mean if you want to you can but what we like to see because this protein is always turning over in your body and you actually need it throughout the day so we mm -hmm. like to have protein in their different meals or have it as a snack food because your body's using this all the time and that's a really good lead-in to that next slide I have of the um of malnutrition because the, the um the uh the um when the the protein isn't there the body has to get it from somewhere so what does it do it eats itself 
And this is where we call, I wanted to define malnutrition because that's when we're going into more of a malnourished state. This is one definition by a national group I'm involved in and many dietitians are, and it's kind of technical, but I wanted to go over it. Um, an acute, subacute, or chronic state of nutrition in which a combination of varying degrees of overnutrition or undernutrition with or without inflammatory activity have led to a change in body composition and diminished function. That's mm -hmm. kind of a lot. Um, and then there's three types, and they're quite different. Um, the first type is called starvation or semi-starvation. And in that case, it's not like COVID. People are not in a stress response. Their body's not in an inflammatory response. This is more like somebody, we've seen it in the hospital sometimes with a person who has had some mental health issues and they stop eating or drinking and they just lose a lot of weight. That our body is actually, that's a starvation state metabolism and humans can go on a really long time without eating a whole lot. Um, how, how, how long can you go? People can, it depends on where they start. Okay. Um, people can go quite a while. I mean, but what the, one of the triggers is, so like, let's say your grandmother for some reason was very depressed and stopped pretty much eating. Uh, mm -hmm. for a couple, three months, and nobody figured it out for a while. And she could have lost 20 to 30 pounds in that time. And if she wasn't drinking, she and nobody was watching, um, right. water, she could get dehydrated too. So that's one type of malnutrition. And we're not talking about that kind today. We're talking about the other type. Um, there's a chronic type, which is somebody who has had surgery and then something else has gone wrong and they've just not eaten well for weeks and weeks and they're just struggling, but they may have an infection, they may have to have another surgery. That's a chronic disease associated malnutrition. And then with COVID, what we're seeing right now, because it's still soon, is what's yeah. called acute, acute disease related malnutrition. And I have a slide of a gentleman that maybe you saw on Facebook. Yeah, you can show that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he, this is so classic. And actually, there's people out there that don't think acute disease-related malnutrition exists, but it does. And this is was a nurse in San Francisco, as I understand it. And the picture on the left is before he got COVID. And the picture on the right is where he... Um, after he had it. And I wanted to show you. So what a registered dietitian would do would go look at the fellow in the, we, he would probably be admitted. So we would find him at this page point. And if you start at his head and look at his temples, they're kind of sunken. Mm -hmm. If you look around his eyes, they're kind of sunken too. On men, men usually have a nice muscle right here on their neck. And if it gets more squared off, that means they've lost some muscle there. If you look at his picture on the right, you can't see his clavicle, but on the, excuse me, on the left, you can't see his clavicle, yeah. on the right, you can. Mm -hmm. Those are all signs of muscle wasting. And in this stress response, as opposed to the starvation response, where a lot of more fat tends to be burned up, in the stress response, the muscles been used up because okay. that infection and the body used that protein in his muscle to help make things to fight his infection. And it's pretty dramatic. And fortunately, he had plenty of muscle, but not everybody does. Seeing somebody of age, 
somebody going through a lot of stress and physical stress, they don't have a lot to draw from. So it gets kind of to be a crisis. And what we can do in the hospital is try to offset some of that. One of the crazy things about stress response malnutrition is that you, even if you fed people what they technically needed, the body doesn't utilize it right. It doesn't utilize it well, and it can actually cause the worst problem. So you can't feed them everything they need, but you can feed partly. And that's what the registered dietitians do when people are in the intensive care. They work with a team there, and we figure this out. So it's very unique and people don't know a lot about it, but what to do to prevent it is again, back right now, all those healthy lifestyle things and get some exercise and eat a balanced diet. I um, wanted to- Can you talk a little bit too about hydration, water and how that comes into play? In fact, one of the handouts on the link um, talks about how to take care of people if you have COVID and you're not, let's say you're not in the hospital and fluids are right at the top of the list. People need probably about three, most average size people need about three quarts a day of fluids. And that's three tricky. Quarters. Three quarts. <laughs> that's, so that's drinking a half a cup every so often throughout the day, which is really tough to do when you're sick. And yes but people can get behind. But all these chemical reactions, the water's involved and also the toxins and things get flushed out when you have enough water. Right. So now the only thing, this is be sure to talk with your physician because some people do have to watch their fluids for various reasons for their hearts and kidneys and things, but in general. And then people will need a little more calories and more protein. And, um, now, if you're in bed not, and not very, not with a very high temperature, it's not quite as much. But it's a huge challenge because everything's working against you. You don't feel like eating. And if this goes on, like, let's say you have a, a flu, an old-fashioned flu for a couple, three days, you know, most people can get through that. But when it goes on, when these infections go on for a while, they're, they get more problematic. And it's really important to stay in touch with your physicians yeah. and do what you can. And small portions frequently are better um, than a full meal. And the people that are sick really need to try to eat <laughs> the best they can. Yeah. It's, right. and it's hard being a caretaker, too, if someone's not hungry. And what can you offer them? Yeah, Let's, and they don't want to eat. <laughs> no, and you're just like, please. <laughs> I will, I will say about that is that, you know, when I showed you the healthy stuff, you can throw a little bit out of the window when people are in that sick phase because a lot, nobody's going to want to eat a big cob salad or something in the middle of their yeah. sick. You want to have more protein, easier to digest. Um, simple foods are often much better. Great. Talk a little bit about the differences that we had a question from Facebook about um, the differences for nutritional needs for children and adult versus adults. Yes. Well, so let's think about this a minute. Kids get an extra whammy because kids have to grow. And so mm -hmm. like that fellow, he was already grown and he was in a what's called a catabolic state. Well, kids, and when you're growing or you're pregnant, you, you're in an anabolic state. That's a creating state. Well, if you have an infection, the body is putting all of its energy into fighting the infection and not growing for mm -hmm. So, every, and there's a shorter time frame for, for problems. So I would definitely stay in touch with the pediatricians about that. But the kids all need their same nutrition, plus they need that extra growth calories, plus then you've got an infection on top of that. So it's, it's tricky. Yeah. 
And what about supplements? There's all these advertisements about putting supplements. What's your advice on that? Um, My advice, that's a whole huge industry. And um, most dietitians are going to always say food first. The thing is, there are certain populations that do need supplements. And there's a lot of people in our country that are not eating a healthy enough diet to have all those nutrients on board. So some populations like pregnant women, um, seniors need some supplements. And with COVID and immunity, there's um, one of the charts I have um, attached either on here or on the thing at the bottom is from the um, Linus Pauling Institute at Oregon State University. And if you go to the micronutrient section, there is a wonderful chart, and we have the link there, of what nutrients people need, vitamins and minerals and other substances, and what food sources they are in. So that's your first line of defense. Um, some of the vitamins and minerals that are too, that are especially of concern with um, COVID are um, vitamin C, vitamin D, and zinc. And we know probably a lot of information about vitamin D, but there's a lot of other vitamins and minerals that are involved in this. And one of the links I have um, sent you from the Linus Pauling Institute has a really good chart of which what the vitamins and minerals do in the immune system. And so there are just some great resources there. I am I have a story about that. A few years ago, we were working with a lady who was going to have major surgery and she told me she was driving 45 master about her nutrition and she told me she was driving about 45 minutes south of portland to her nutritionist and was buying all these supplements and she was spending she was over 75 and she was spending 200 a month on supplements and mm. some of the supplements were conflicting with some of the other supplements and she oh. was trying to be healthy but she was not helping herself. I, if people want or need to take supplements, um, a one-a-day generic store brand is just fine. Um, there's nothing magic about these. You will want to have one that has USP on the label because that means that it actually has what it says it has in it. Um, and some people do need them. And I would encourage people to talk with their physicians about it and not just start grabbing vitamins and minerals because yeah. that's not going to help. Given what we're going through right now, there's just an increased stress level, I think, for everyone on the whole planet right now. What foods should we avoid or what food should we eat to manage our stress better? Yeah. You know, everybody's always looking for kind of a magic food or a magic bullet. And I'd refer back to that first slide. It's a li- about a lifestyle. And I all the things getting sleep, getting some support for your stress, um, exercising, all those things are going to do a lot for you. And I would, you know, there's a lot of people advertising different substances. In fact, I think I have a slide on some myths. Maybe we can go over that um, on that slide. There's some nutrition myths um, that are going around with because COVID. And I would really cause people to pause and think about this before they go into a big purchasing binge. Um, there really is no evidence that any specific vitamin, mineral, herbal supplement will prevent or cure COVID. Um, there's no evidence of human or animal food packaging being associated with COVID. Um, and there actually is plenty of food. It's just so you don't need to stockpile it. And then um, some groups do need vitamin and mineral supplements. Work with your physician and your dietitian. And I would be very aware of expensive and magical promises 
Um, <laughs> mega doses, unless specifically prescribed, are often dangerous. Um, and you can use a standard store brand, multivite, multimineral, and the vitamin D. I mean, the vitamin D is a really one where people are a lot of familiar with it, and the physicians are. And there's there if you look at the Linus Pauling information, there is some indications on there for a higher dose of that. And so, and you can't always there's certain foods with those in it, with those vitamins and minerals in them, but sometimes you need a little more. So great. Yeah. Well, just. Uh, plethora of information today, Therese, and I think all of us just could do such a better job of taking better care of ourselves and, and food as medicine. Um, so please look at our link for more, uh, more links to different advice that Therese has given us today. Do you have any final words for, any, for everybody out there? Yes, if you want to show the last slide about food resources, one of the consequences of COVID is, you know, getting access to food. And, and I talked to a friend of mine who is just isolated in along an assisted living um, mm. area. So pay attention to our friends and colleagues in those situations. And also, if you're in need or if anybody's in need of food access, uh, for food resources, there are some links. Um, there's a Food Hero, which is great. Mm -hmm. School lunch programs. Um, that are feeding extra people, their senior programs. And I would encourage people to take advantage of that and take care of yourself. Um, this is serious, it's real, and um, your nutrition will help pre possibly prevent it, or if you do get it, it may help you get through it. So. Well, thank you so much for your time today and for all these great links and um, know that Providence is there for you uh, with, with a lot of information and great advice. And please check with your doctor or your nutritionist too if you've got some real solid concerns because you really cannot, your health can't wait. So uh, we want to thank everybody for listening today. And I'd like to thank Therese for all her knowledge and background and really appreciate all the great information that we got. And um, thanks for the questions too from, from some of our viewers here. Um, if you are looking for medical advice, pre please visit us at providence.org. And also please make sure to follow us on social media at Providence on Twitter and under Providence Health System on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And so everybody have a great day, happy summer, and here's to good eating. Bye-bye.